deepest valley, amen, God is good. And I thought today while I sang this song I got to thinking about how good God is. You and I deserve to be on that cross, amen. I know, well, I, I better not include you, but I can tell you, I deserve to be on that cross, amen. That's where I deserve. Uh, but God, amen. <laughs> With a love that you and I can't even understand, amen. I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my grandkids more than I could ever tell you. 
But that don't even scratch the surface for the love that God had for you and me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I like in this song right here where it says them sin stains are gone. Amen. You and I, you and I were, <laughs> you and I were in a slave market. Amen. Of sin. Nobody to redeem us but God. <laughs> With that love that you and I cannot even understand. He redeemed us. He redeemed us. And that rich, red, righteous blood that ran over our old black soul, hey man, and washed us whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think even a Baptist will be able to shout on that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. We got a lot to pray about. I want you to pray for Della's sister, amen. We got home last night. They'd already took her back to the ER. She had a heart attack. She's got a bad UTI. She's, she's just in bad shape. She can't move. She can't even roll over on her own without help. You pray for her. Pray for Della. That she'll have the strength to do what she needs to do, amen. Della's the one having to make these these medical decisions for her. And it's weighing hard on her. And it pains me to see that. But we got sick folk. We got sick folk all around us. We got sick folk everywhere. Amen. We got a lot to pray for. But God's good. God's good. Amen. God's bigger than any problem we might have. Amen. Brother Dennis, pray for us. Lord, we sure do love you. We thank you for another time you've allowed us to come to your house. And Lord, what a blessing yesterday was and how you moved in our midst and we felt your presence ever so real. But Lord, we're in another service today that's in the past and we pray, God, that you'd move tonight like never before. Lord, I pray that you would touch Brother Craig, give him the words that you'd have us to hear and anoint this preacher. God, I pray that you'd move like never before in our hearts, Lord, that as you speak to us, we'd be obedient to your spirit. Lord, I pray for Della tonight. I ask you, Lord, to give her strength that she stands in need of. I pray for her sister, Lord, that you would just reach down and touch her. Lord, I know you could speak it and she could be healed. And Lord, if you'd choose to do that, we ask you, Lord, that if you will, that you might heal her. But, Lord, we pray that your will would be done in this situation. And, Lord, I pray that if there be somebody that whether they're listening by way of Internet or here in this service right now that's lost, I pray that they would come to know you as their personal Savior tonight before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Well, since Ron preached, I won't do that part of it. He stole my thunder. I, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you, Ron. I like it. Boy, I like it. Ron gets fired up. It gets me ready. But I sure appreciate Ron, and I appreciate Della. And uh, I'm glad to see you tonight. And, boy, we've, I, I have been looking forward to this service all day this evening. And uh, we are honored to have the voices of praise with us. I'm telling you, this group's a blessing. What makes them a blessing is the anointing. 
and you can see it right off when they get up and start singing. They're singing for the Lord, and you can tell it. They're not here to entertain. So if you came for entertainment, you're not going to get that. But I'll tell you what you will get when they start singing. You'll feel that fresh breath from heaven come across where the Lord's honoring what's being sung, and he's getting all the glory. Jason, it's good to see you, my friend. I call him my prayer warrior because I know he prays for me, and it's so good to have him with us this evening. Would you put your hands together and welcome the voices of praise?
sing this old song with Pastor. So thinking about that yesterday, I was telling some folks in church. Uh, we, we sing a lot of funerals. And you know, death figured out a long time ago, friend, death it's real. It's appointed unto us once to die. And after this the judgment, I was recalling a funeral a few years ago we had in Knox County, our Knox County jailer. Uh, he went to bed one night and he, and he passed away. And uh, just a few weeks before he passed away, uh, we were singing homecoming. He was one of the deacons up there at Turkey Creek Baptist Church. And I know we'll forget this business. Uh, we was loading our stuff up, fixing the bag and everything. And we was putting it all in the van. And he come over. He said, you need some help? And I said, no, sir. I said, we'll be fine. I said, you just go over and enjoy the dinner and enjoy the food. And just enjoy the day with your family. And he told me, he said, Brother Ron, he said, when that last piece of equipment goes in that van and them doors are closed, he said, then we're all going to go over here and we're going to eat. And he just treated us so good. And just a week or so after that, he, he died. And they gathered us in that church. It's a pretty good-sized church. And they had a live feed outside there. And uh, they packed us in some corner, like just kind of like we are right now, him kind of hemmed up a little bit. And uh, we sang this song that I'm fixing to sing to you. And I remember walking around to his dad, Brother Earl Hammonds, and, and he opened up his arms big and wide, and he just hugged me, and he said, Rod, this is hard. And, uh, you know, uh, death. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that city that's builder maker's God. When God looks at us and he wipes all tears from our eyes, and the Bible says there shall be no more death. Boy, I get excited about that preacher. Going to a place where there's no more death, no more sorrow, no more parting, no more pain. And I tell you, that excites me tonight. But this is a song we sing, and truly, you know what a day that's going to be. When my Jesus, I'm going to sing. And I'm thankful for that
Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me Send his only son to die for it. Boy, I'm so unworthy. You, you said you should have been on the cross. You, you could have put me in the, in the crowd too. I should have been on the cross. But for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You know, and God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for somebody like me. And he died for somebody like you all, friend. We were just so rich. You know, this one preacher from Lebanon, Tennessee, he's sitting down in a, in a big church there when he got to thumbing through the songbook and he's looking for the old battle hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And he said, I searched and he searched. He said, I couldn't find it. He said, finally, I asked somebody. He said, where's the song? Where's our battle hymn? Where's it at? Well, what's happened to it? Why it's not in the book? And he said, we had to take that one out, brother. He said, we didn't like what that word, what that word said, rich. And I tell you, that's all I was, just an old wretch, just somebody that, that needed God and needed the blood. Well, I tell you, the blood, thankful for the blood tonight that was shed because without the shedding of blood, the Bible said be, there'd be no remission of sins. But I just consider myself blessed. And I've asked Paul to sing this song. I love this song. When he walks among us, all that he does, all the If the pen of a writer could write every day, not even his words would ever contain how I've been blessed. The warmth in the winter, flowers in spring, laughter of summer, and the There's nothing 
Center, I have my own house, and I have went back several times today and listened to your message all day long. Every time I've got a chance, I've listened to it. 
and my baby daughter is here tonight and she is going to be 12 weeks pregnant the end of this month now I thought about how you did the comparison of seeing that baby for the first time and I was in labor with her for about 13 hours so while you were preaching I could relate to the pain you know the gaining weight the back hurting I didn't have an epidural I'd done it the good old fashioned way the way God wanted us to and uh, needless to say there was joy in my heart the first time seeing her and you know she's going to have this baby here come November and she's going to get to experience that joy but I've talked to her about being a mom and there's things she's going to encounter that's going to make her worry and she's going to do a lot of praying and there's going to be a lot of tears but it's the same way with salvation as you compared it and there is joy in serving the Lord for sure we may go through a lot of things but uh, the joy of the Lord he, he's my hope he's my salvation he's whatever I need and if I could introduce you tonight to somebody it would be Jesus and I'm excited to be here I'm excited to hear what the Lord has given you to for us now it's me and my husband talked about it on the way home he said I've never heard him preach that way it's God and I'm just thankful for you and I'm excited tonight
singing and friends that I know at one or two o'clock in the morning if I need you, Brother Dennis uh, they would be there and I appreciate them and, and uh, I, I appreciate this church but Paul's going to sing a song we, get out of the way. we have a couple of ladies that came to uh, enjoy their revival this week they're from Mount Sterling and they've got a hotel and they're staying for four days just to be a part of this and um, she asked me to I know this song and it's been probably a couple of years since I've sang it, so I might mess it up or it may not be too good. But I thought to myself, don't take up much time of talking so that preacher has plenty of time to preach. Because <laughs> I can tell you voices of praise over the last year and a half, the wheels on the bus haven't went round and round very much. We've not got to travel. We've not got to go sing. We've not had the opportunity to be able to go and tell others how good the Lord is. And so my mom told me, she said, Honey, we sang yesterday and we'll sing tonight, tomorrow on Wednesday. We sing in Beattyville on Saturday. Me and her was talking today. She said, Now, baby, are you sure that you're able to do that much? And I looked at her and I said, Mommy, I've never been more sure about anything in my life. I said, if I can just go and tell somebody how good the Lord's been to me, I want to go. I said, my body may hurt. There may be things that I face that I don't have answers for. But the things that are on the outside someday will be left here. And what I have that lives within me, my soul will be with the one that gave his life for me. So I think to myself, there will be no braces, no wheelchairs, no walkers, no canes, no hospital beds. There won't be none of that stuff there. And I'm so thankful for that. But this song says, when I lay my Isaac down, and I thought about, well, I'm not going to say anything tonight. They've heard my testimony. They know what's going on. They pray for me all the time. I'll just be quiet and sing. I can't do that. When we get up here, we have no idea what we're going to sing. We don't have a paper written out. We don't have the keys to the songs we sing in. Sometimes we don't even know. We make them up. But I'm telling you all, when we get up here, before we come, we pray and ask the Lord to show us what he wants us to do, what he wants us to say, what he wants us to be. And we pray that nobody sees us, but they see him through us. This song says, when I lay my Isaac down, and me and Brother Dennis and Rod and Donna were talking before church started. And I've had a few people ask me, how can you go and serve the Lord and sing and raise your hands when you have so much that you're going through? The lifespan of the disease that I have for females is 47 years old. Do I think I'm just going to live to be 47? I don't know. I turned 32 in February. I may not live to see 33. But I'm telling you all what, I don't listen 
to what the doctors say. I appreciate their help because I need it. I appreciate their advice because they help me. I appreciate the knowledge that God gave them to do what they can do to help me while I'm here. But there's a great physician that's in control of what happens in my life. And those doctors don't get to determine how long I'll get to stand and praise the Lord. But he does. In the next few weeks, I have some very important tests coming up. And I don't care to be personal with you all. They have to decide rather to put a permanent catheter in my belly button or one on my side with a bag. Either way, I don't want to have it done. That's not something in life that I ask for. But when I pray, I don't pray for God to do this or God to do that. I pray for his will. Whatever it is. I don't know why good people have to go through things. And sometimes bad people don't. I don't know why. I'm not saying I'm a perfect person. But I try so hard to serve the Lord. And sometimes Satan will get in my mind and say, Well, you know, you're so sick. You're not able to go sing. You should just quit. But let me tell you all something. Satan can't cross the bloodline. And when I pray to the Lord, he tells me otherwise. He says, if you'll put your clothes on, strap them braces that thank God I have on my legs. Last time we sang here, I've been in a wheelchair. No, they're not. <laughs> they stick out like a sore thumb. Sometimes I'm embarrassed of what people may think. But oh my goodness, how thankful I am that I just have legs that can walk. That I can bath my kids. That I can fix them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That I can, I might have to have a step ladder to get in and out of the voices of praise man when we drive it. And it might take 30 minutes for us to unload because Vicky has to have one too. When Donna broke her leg, she had to use it too. And I know people might look at us and think, what in the world? What, what has happened to these people? But Satan will try everything that he can. He'll try everything that he can to sit you down when you're trying to serve the Lord. But I tell him all the time, you don't know who you're messing with. You can try all you want to try. But I'll go as long as I have the breath to go. In this song, sometimes the Lord, all he wants is us. And that's what it says. And I'm sure that Abraham didn't want to take his son that he prayed for for so long. Sarah was 99 years old, 100 years old when she gives birth to a child. And nowadays we say, well, that's not possible. Oh, yes, it is. God, anything with God is possible. Did he want to take that baby and sacrifice him and give his son 
probably not. But he was willing to go. And he was willing to give everything he had to please the Lord. And I think to myself, Lord, I'm willing to lay in the bed and hurt a little bit. I'm willing to have to prop my feet up for two or three weeks. I'm willing to do whatever you'll have me to do. But my little girl's got saved since I've been sick. My little boy's asking about salvation. We love the Lord in my house. And it says in my house we will serve the Lord. I've got signs everywhere that say that. Sometimes the Lord just wants to see if you'll still praise Him. If you'll still do what He'll have you to do. If you'll still give Him the glory that He deserves. And may I always be found faithful, glorifying Him, no matter what I might go through. Bye. 
I want to hear the message. I'm looking forward to what the Lord's gave the preacher tonight. If you would, put your hands together and welcome Brother Craig Edwards. Well, it's good to be here tonight. Thank you for coming. Um, I see a lot of people here tonight that were here last night. When somebody comes to hear me preach one time, it's a blessing. And when they come back, it's a miracle. <laughs> so I'm glad uh, you're here tonight. Uh, the Lord is certainly good. I, I enjoyed that singing. It spoke to my heart. And uh, I appreciate uh, the spirit in which the songs were delivered. The message came across loud and clear. And uh, I just uh, love being here. Appreciate your preacher and his wife. Uh, two of my most favorite people in all the world. I've known Brother Dennis for several years. And he's a, a precious friend. Tonight I want to be looking in the book of Job. And uh, most of the time we'll take a text and preach 
from a text. But tonight I'm going to preach to my text. And my text is found in chapter 19, verse 25. But the majority of the message tonight could be called an introduction. <laughs> the book of Job is a familiar book to Bible students, if you've been saved any length of time, you've probably studied or read or at least heard sermons from the book of Job. And most of the time when we refer to the book of Job, we usually look at it as the sufferings of Job or the trial of Job. A couple of years ago, I was driving to Indiana, and for some reason, I just got the book of Job on my mind. And as I thought about it and meditated on it, I saw the book of Job in a different light than I had ever seen it before. And I discovered that it was not Job who was on trial. It was God who was actually on trial. And I want to share with you three aspects of the book of Job that has helped and ministered to my own heart. The first thing you find in the book of Job is a challenge. There is a challenge involved. The Bible tells us that the sons of God had come together, and most Bible teachers all agree that the sons of God are speaking of angelic beings. And Satan was also present. And the Bible said they came to present themselves to the Lord. And that implies that they had come to give an account of themselves, their whereabouts, their actions to God, and Satan was also present. And God asked Satan where he had been. And Satan, of course, replied, I've just been going up and down the land to and fro, and then the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. He's perfect and he's upright. The word perfect there had to do with Job's relationship with God, and the word upright 
had to do with Job's relationship with people. And the Lord was saying, Job is perfect and he's upright. He is what he appears to be. A lot of people are concerned about their image, how they look to others, how others perceive them to be. I've even known of churches that have been built on image, how things appear to be. I've known of great ministries that were built and established on image how things appeared to be, but in reality, how things were, were totally different from how they appeared to be. But what God was saying to Satan is, Job is what he appears to be. He's real. He's one that fears God and is choose evil. And Satan had thought about Job because Satan knew that God had blessed Job. And Satan knew that God had put a hedge about all that Job had. But Satan said, if you lift up your hand against Job, and take all that he has, Job will curse you to your face. Will a man serve God for naught? Job's in it for the money. Job only serves you because he's been blessed. It was as though Satan was saying to God, you're not worthy of his heart. You're not worthy of his love. You had to buy Job. Satan said, just take all that he has and he'll curse you to your face. So Satan was on a mission. He was on a mission, and that mission was to persuade Job to curse God. You remember they had another meeting. Satan was also present. The Lord asked Satan, where have you been? Well, I've just been up and down the land to and fro. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. Satan said, oh yeah, I've thought about him. But Job's never been sick. Job knows nothing about pain. You let me take away his health. And Job will curse you to your face. And God said... He's yours. You can take away his health, but you cannot take his life. 
And so Satan's mission continued. His mission was to persuade Job, to convince Job to curse God. I don't think I had ever really understood the weight that God had placed on Job's shoulders. I'd, I'd never really understood the responsibility that God had placed on Job. Do you realize what would have happened if Satan had convinced Job to curse God? If, if Satan could have caused Job to curse God, that would have meant that God was wrong about Job. It was God who recommended Job. Have you considered my servant Job? It was God who brought Job's name up. It would be like somebody calling me and saying, Brother Edwards, I need to have my kitchen remodeled. Could you recommend somebody? Oh, yeah, I know just the man. You need to call Dennis McCoy. He's a great carpenter. He does excellent work. He's very reasonable on his prices, and he'll do you a great job. And so on my recommendation, on my recommendation, they call Dennis. And Dennis goes to remodel their kitchen. And when he leaves, it's a lot worse than when he came. Nothing done right, and to sum it all up, he gives them this big astronomical bill. Now, that wouldn't only make Brother Dennis look bad, but that would make me look bad because I'm the one that recommended him. And it would also mean that I didn't know Dennis like I thought I did. It would also mean that I was wrong about Dennis. Do you hear what I'm saying? If Satan could have convinced Job to curse God, that would have meant that God didn't know Job like he thought he did. For God said there's none like him in all the earth. It would have meant that God was wrong about Job. And all Satan had to do 
was convince Job to curse God. What kind of God would we have if he didn't know everything? What kind of God would he be if he was ever wrong about anything? If Satan could have convinced Job to curse God, that would have meant that God was wrong. And it would have meant that God doesn't know everything. It would have meant that God didn't know Job like he thought he did. Satan had already gone up against God. I'll become as the most high. And God dealt with Satan. Watch carefully. God dealt with Satan. But now, but now Satan has an opportunity to bring God down to his level. Satan was wrong when he said, I'll become his God. And now he has an opportunity to prove that God was wrong about Job. And all he has to do is convince Job, persuade Job to curse God. He was faced with a challenge. And the challenge was to convince Job to curse God. Which brings me to my second point. He has a challenge. But what channel will he use? How will Satan go about Persuading Job to curse God. Well, the first thing Satan did was to take away Job's possessions. He took away everything he had. Job was a very wealthy man. He was the Bill Gates of his era. But a servant came to the door came in and said, Job, all your camels are gone. All your servants are dead. And only I am left to bring this news to you. Another knock came to the door. Job, all of your sheep, all of your cattle are gone. The servants are dead. And only I escaped to bring this news to you. And finally... The knock came to the door. Job, all of your children were in a house celebrating their birthday. Job had seven sons and three daughters. And the Bible said that every time one of them had a birthday, it's called their day. 
in the book of Job, they would all come together and celebrate. And Job had a, a dreadful fear. Job feared that as they were celebrating, that they might charge God foolishly. Or they might do something wrong that would bring God's wrath and God's judgment on them. And so when they had their birthday, the Bible said that Job would rise up early in the morning and offer sacrifices for his children according to the number of them all, Job would offer 10 sacrifices on behalf of his 10 children because he feared that they would say something or do something that might bring some tragic end to their life. And now the messenger comes to Job. All of your children were in the house. There's something very strange happened. A whirlwind settled over the house and blew the roof in on your children. And Job, they were all killed. They're all dead. It's no wonder Job cried the thing which I feared has come upon me. Job lost everything. Thing, including his own children. I can imagine Satan as he rushes back into the presence of God. All that Job has is gone. And I can see Satan as he anxiously awaits. Job draws a deep breath and his lips are just about to move and Satan is thinking, here it comes, here it comes. He's going to curse God for sure. Yet the Bible said, Job exclaimed, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all these things, Job sinned not nor cursed God foolishly. Satan has one strike against him. But somehow, he's got to convince Job to curse God. Somehow he must persuade Job to curse God. This is his chance to get back at God. And all that needs to happen is that Job needs to curse God. So the second thing that Satan uses was pain. The Bible says that Satan smote Job with boils, running sores from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. 
Job, he describes his condition. He said, my skin is cracked open. The flesh was literally rotting off the bone. And Job said, I can look at my arms and I see worms and I see dust inside of my body. And, and I don't mean to be too graphic, but the word worms there, if you look up the meaning, it's making reference to maggots. It's a flesh deteriorated off the bone. Job could look down in his body and he could see maggots crawling everywhere and all of the cracks were filled with dust. Job said, I'm loathsome. And that word loathsome means that his, his body was giving off this foul, this disgusting odor. And Job, the Bible said, sat on an ash heap. And the only relief he got was from scraping his body with potsherd. Potsherd are pieces of a broken vessel. I don't have time to develop it, but think about this. Job was sitting on a pile of ashes. Why would Job have been sitting on a pile of ashes? Remember, on the day of their birthday, Job rose up early in the morning and he would offer sacrifices on behalf of each child. And his children died on one of their birthdays as they celebrated. So that day, Job had offered sacrifices for his children. But that day, Job lost everything that he had. He didn't have any lambs. He didn't have any bullocks to place on the altar. Everything he had was gone. So when Job had nothing else to place on the altar, he placed himself on the altar. And he found a degree of comfort from a broken vessel. You remember Jesus just hours before his crucifixion he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said take and eat this is my body <laughs> this is my vessel which is broken for you and aren't you glad that in our pain and in our suffering and in our sorrow, we can find comfort in a broken vessel? <laughs> Job's body was so disfigured, his friends didn't even recognize him. 
I can see old Satan as he rushes back into the presence of God. And he thought, he'll curse you this time for sure. I know he will. Job takes a deep breath. His lips are about to move. And Satan is thinking, here it comes, here it comes. Yet I can see old Job as he raises his hand and says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And in all these things, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Satan! Strike two. You've got one more chance. Job lost all of his possessions. Didn't work. He introduced Job to pain didn't work what's he going to do now Satan tries to convince Job to curse God through his partner his wife do you remember when God gave Satan permission to take everything that Job had God said, you can take everything but his life. You can't take his life. The only restriction that God placed on Satan was, you cannot take his life. Satan took all of his possessions. Satan even took Job's children. Have you ever Wondered why Satan didn't take his wife? He could have. But he didn't. He could have taken Job's wife just as he took their children. But he didn't. He left Job's wife. Because Satan felt that Job's wife would serve his purpose better alive than she would dead. When Satan wanted to convince Adam to sin, how did he go about it? He went through Eve, and it worked. So this was Satan's ace he kept under his sleeve. For one day, now this is, this is something, one day Job's wife passed by, and there Job sits, his body covered with worms, the flesh rotting off of his body and she said Job why don't you just curse God and die now the word die is an interesting word it's the same word Rachel used 
when she said to Jacob, her husband, Give me children or else I die. That word die, as it was used, suggested that she was going to take her own life. She was saying, if I can't be a mother, I don't want to live. You give me children or else I die. Give me children or else I'm going to take my own life. I don't want to live if I can't be a mother. And Jacob said, I'm not God. It's not up to me. I don't have the power. Rachel was insinuating that if she couldn't have children, she would take her own life. Now here is Job's wife saying the same thing. Job, you ought to just end it all. You're disgusting. You've nothing to live for. You just ought to die. You ought to take your own life. But watch this. She said, but before you die, you need to curse God. Isn't that what she said? Curse God and then die. End it all. You see, nobody, nobody influences you like your spouse. As men, as women, we have the power to be a blessing to our spouse. We have the power to be a burden to our spouse. We can, we can break our spouse or we can build up our spouse. It's sad that in so many marriages, both husband and wife spend so much of their time just tearing one another down. Nobody influences you outside of God like your husband or your wife. Job! Curse God. And then die. Job said, You speak like a foolish woman. Are we going to receive all the blessings from God's hand and reject the evil, the bad things? He said, It, it doesn't work that way. And all of these things, Job sinned not 
nor charge God foolishly. Satan, strike three. You're out. But here's the thing. Now we're getting close to my text. Job didn't know about the meeting that had taken place in heaven. He didn't know about that. He thought God had turned against him. As a matter of fact, in one of his prayers, as Job prayed, he addressed God as he or thou who hatest me. He thought God had turned against him. And he didn't know why. Job described his sufferings like this. He said the Almighty has dipped his arrows in poison and then he's released them in me. Job said, my life is full of confusion. It didn't make sense. Job's life just did not make sense. He thought God was judging him. As a matter of fact, Job even told God, if I've done something that has brought all this on me, maybe even as a child, if I did something, if you'll just reveal it to me and let me know why you've turned against me. Job didn't know that it wasn't God. That it was Satan who took his children and took all of his possessions and took his health. He didn't know that God was simply putting him on display. Job didn't have a target on his back because he was evil. Job had a target on his back because he did right and he stood for right. And God was just proving to Satan that he had a man would serve him when he was wealthy and he had a man that would serve him when he had nothing. God was proving to Satan that he had one that would live for him on the mountain and he had a man that would live for him in the valley. He was proving to Satan, I've got a servant that will live for me in the good times. And I've got a man that will live for me in the bad times. And when people would normally be going around cursing God, Job would just be going around blessing the Lord and thanking God and giving him praise. 
But now let me read my text, all this introduction. Let me read my text. For I know. Wow. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. Listen carefully. Here's my message. A lot of things Job didn't understand. He didn't know about the meeting that had taken place in heaven. His wife knew nothing about the meeting that had taken place in heaven. His friends knew nothing about the meeting that had taken place in heaven. Job didn't know that God was putting Job on display. He had no idea. Job didn't know why everything he had was gone. Job didn't know why his children were dead. Job didn't know why he had lost his health. Job couldn't explain it. He had no idea while, while everything he had was gone just like that. He had no idea why his children were all dead. He didn't have a clue. He didn't know why he had experienced in his own body so much suffering and pain. He didn't know. Job could say, I don't know why my possessions are gone. I don't know why my babies are gone. I don't know why my health is gone. I don't know. My life is full of confusion. I do not have the answers. I simply do not know. But let me tell you what I do know. I don't know why all of my children were killed, but I know my Redeemer lives. And I can't tell you why my health is gone, but I do know that long after the skin worms have destroyed this old body, I know that in my flesh I'm going to see God, whom I'll see for myself and not another. I don't know why all of this has happened, but I know my Redeemer is going to stand and he's going to reign at the latter day upon the earth. So much that Job didn't know. But here's my message. 
Job embraced what he did know to carry him through what he did not understand. I want to tell you something, friend. There'll be a time in each of your lives. I promise that your life will not make sense. Things will happen in your life, in your family, in your own body that you can't explain. When tragedy comes, your life is filled with confusion. What do you do? You hold on to what you know. And I promise you, it will carry you through what you don't understand. In 2006, my little grandson, Sawyer, died in a terrible tragedy. That's been a long time ago. We were talking about it at church the other night. I was, I was telling some people there are still places that I can't go. It's just too painful. I can't go there, and it doesn't serve any purpose, so I just don't go there in my mind. Sawyer passed June June the 20th. My birthday was on the 21st, and he had a birthday in July. He would have been two years old. I visited his grave on his second birthday. And my daughter, Melinda, was there. She had all of Sawyer's favorite toys surrounding his grave. And she was lying on the ground with her face in the dirt just weeping uncontrollably. I walked up to the grave and she realized that I was there. Never will forget it. She looked up at me and she said, Daddy, I shouldn't be here today. I ought to be at home making a cake blowing up balloons and getting ready for a party. I shouldn't be here today. She said, if I just knew why, Belinda told me, God didn't have to do this to get my heart. He already had my heart. If I could just make some sense out of it, if I just knew why. And I sat down beside her 
And I took her by the hand and I said, honey, I don't have the answers. I've asked every question that you're asking myself. And I don't have the answers. There are a lot of things that we just don't know. We just don't understand. But I tell you what you're going to have to do and what I'm going to have to do. We're going to have to rest in what we do know. And we know that God is good. And we know that God never makes a mistake. And we know how much we love Sawyer, but yet we don't love Sawyer nearly as much as God loves him. And we know that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. And we know one day the trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And we know there's going to be a reunion between here and there. And we know we're going to live forever in a land where no one ever dies. I said, baby, we've just got to hold on to what we know. Embrace what we know. Trust what we know to carry us through what we don't understand. You see, I'm not just preaching a message tonight. I've lived through this. And I know it works. I know it worked for Job. I know it's worked for me. It's worked for my daughter. It's worked for my wife. It's worked for our family. You can become bitter because of the things you don't understand. You know, the Lord brought up Leviathan and Behemoth. Remember when God finally revealed himself to Job and he brought up Leviathan and Behemoth? How many of you are familiar with that? Would you raise your hand? I'm just curious. Okay, several of you have, have read it and you're familiar with it. I looked up the word. I've had people for years to ask me, what is Leviathan? Some say that Leviathan was some type of great sea monster and Behemoth was some type of crocodile or something. But I looked up the words in the Hebrew and I've only had this to happen one time in regards to Leviathan and Behemoth. The only time. This is what it said. Meaning unknown. I believe God brought it up just to say to Job, there are some things 
that you'll never understand, meaning unknown. And when we experience Leviathans and behemoths in our own life, it's easy to get angry with God, get mad at God. It's easy to get bitter. But I tell you, it's a lot better. If somehow you'll just lay hold on what you know. Just embrace what you know. Just trust what you know. Job didn't know why his babies were dead and why everything was gone and why he had lost his health. Job didn't know. But he said, I'm going to hold on to what I do know. I know my Redeemer lives. And I know he's going to stand at the last day. And I know that in my flesh I am going to see God. And Job held on to what he knew. And it carried him through what he didn't understand. I want you to stand with me tonight while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would it be too much trouble to have y'all come back and just sing something? I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Lord don't have you in this showcase. It wouldn't be at all surprised. Wouldn't be at all surprised. Maybe there's some others tonight. I'd just like to come and and bow around the altar. You know, a lot of times we just need somebody to talk to. Somebody that will listen, somebody that will care, somebody that will understand. It just makes you feel so better, so much better sometimes if you can just talk about it. Just talk about it. Instead of keeping it all bottled up inside. Just get it out in the open and talk about it. Maybe tonight you just need to bow at this altar and just talk about it. Tell God about it. I'm glad he cares. He understands. He understands.
I'm so glad that you're good when we don't understand when we're dealing with our leviathans and behemoths Lord when the answer is unknown I pray Lord that you'll just help all of us help me dear God help every person under this roof tonight to distrust what we do know to carry us through what we don't understand be with these that have come tonight you know the burden of their heart 
we commit them into your hand. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my heart right now. I thank you for it. And I believe you're not only working in my heart, but you're working in the hearts of others. And I give you glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
this revival is just getting started. Don't miss tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, and we're going to see what God's got ordered for tomorrow night. But right now, I'm just saturating and embracing what I do know to get me through what I don't understand. And boy, that was good. I enjoyed that. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house this evening. Good to see everybody. And I hope you have a good night and we see you again tomorrow night. And until then, you're at liberty. God bless you.